Tournament Poker Edge Live. Hey everybody, welcome to Tournament Poker Edge Live, brought to you by TournamentPokerEdge.com. I am Killingbird, here with Jonathan Ween, fresh off of finishing up day one of the World Series of Poker. How are you doing, man? I'm sleepy. <laughs> I imagine you're a little tired. It was a long day, but I guess that's good. It's better than being done after four hours. Yeah, no. I guess playing ten hours is much better than not playing much at all. Yeah. There were definitely some people who didn't play very long. In fact, I saw one guy busted with, he had aces against kings, and he lost all in on the fourth hand of the day. Oh, that's so brutal. And the guy hit a king. That's what I dread Yeah. about the main event, is a spot where, like, I get it in extremely early, in a spot where I can never fold an amount in, like, an hour. Right. And I've traveled five hours. Yeah. Yeah, it's brutal, but I guess... I mean, it seems like it happens to somebody every single year. Yeah. I, I just can't imagine, like, telling your family, I'm going to play a 10K. Right. And then you're like, I got so unlucky at Aces vs. Kings, and no one believes you. Right. And you just come home as a failure. Yeah. And that's, I mean, for some people, they obviously, that might be the only tournament they play all year. They save their money, and they fly all the way to Vegas, and they play this big event, and all their friends are following them on Twitter, and... Or they sold pieces of themselves to all their buddies, and they're like, yeah, I was out on the third hand of the day. Yeah, no one, your buddies are like, you totally just jipped me. <laughs> yeah. Charged me makeup, and then never played. Did you even really play? Yeah, this so. is, I only play like two or three 10Ks a year, so this is important to me. Yeah. It's just hard to, hard to really even find a 10K. These days, with the economy and whatnot, everything's like a 5K and a 3K. Yeah. I was going to say, a lot of like the main events for a lot of the series have turned into 5Ks at this point. Yeah, and the circuit events that used to be 5Ks are now 1500s, which doesn't really, not to sound like a pompous ass, but <laughs> doesn't really make them worth traveling when you have to stay in a hotel for a couple hundred bucks a night and. Uh, there's only $1,500 per player in the prize pool. It's just right. hard to pay for travel. And, of course, it's also hard to find a 10K that is as soft as this. Because if you're playing a 10K WPT or something, it's probably going to be a much tougher field. Yeah, no, this this brings out a lot of, I mean, all different breeds. You have pros, you you have people that have hardly played, and you get a nice mix. Yeah. I had one guy at my table that was absolutely clueless and ran it up to 60K in the first level, like, making ridiculous calls in spots that he was actually right and people were bluffing, but they should never be bluffing. Right. And he, like, picked them off and got up to 60K and then instantly lost it all and was out by the second break. Oof. Yeah, those guys usually don't last forever. I know everyone. Everyone let out a collective sigh, like when he busted, because my table was super tough, except for uh, really the one player. Um, eh, maybe 
I, I could legitimately say there were three spots where I was a better player, but even the two other spots besides him were were decent players. So Confident, it was a, at least. Yeah, at a really tough table one draw. Yeah, like, so I was just saying that you find the softest fields, but you certainly did not have a soft table. Talk a little bit about who was at your table. Today. No, I somehow am just a magnet for really <laughs> tough tables. Um, we didn't talk about it on the last podcast before I went home, but I had a 1K with Gavin Smith, uh, Mike Beasley, Dwight Pilgrim, David Peters, Ruthless, uh, Steve Sung, and someone else in a 1K. Yeah. So, I mean, it's like what, the whole table basically is yeah, good players. And like a 1K field with over 3,000 people <laughs> is supposed to be like a cakewalk, and I had the worst table ever. But my 10K this World Series was um, Jai Master Jordan Young, I believe. Yeah. Who was number one on Pocket Fives when that whole Black Friday thing happened. Uh, he won the brawl at, and the 750k in one day. Like the kid's <laughs> unbelievable. Uh, he was at my table. Um, Golfa was at my table. Ryan D'Angelo, um, Little Hold'em, Chad Batista, who, I mean, he's won the hundred rebuy something like 40 times. Jeez. Yeah, uh, he's won four million dollar guaranteed tournaments online. Yeah, he's won the 1K nine times. Really? I mean, I knew, yeah. he, I knew he had amazing results, but I didn't realize they were that good. Yeah, it's like four, six times on tilt, two on stars, and one on UB. Or Jeez. something insane like that. It's eight or nine times. That's ridiculous. But yeah, he was at my table. Um, uh, John Rassiner, Rassiner. Whoever got second in the main event last year, yeah. however you pronounce his name, he was at my table. Alan Cunningham's girlfriend, who, while you assume would be pretty soft, just because like they're associated with a poker pro, they were, you know, she was pretty good. Yeah. Um, and then some cash game pro from California that plays uh, ten twenty-five no limit and ten twenty no limit. Was that the shorter kid, kind of close to the rail? He was in seat four. It's like an older Asian guy. Oh, okay. I know you're talking about. Yeah, he was really good. It was tough because he was obviously a cash game player, so his raises were massive. Because uh, he knew, like, I'm 300 big blinds deep. So, like, you know, normally, like, maybe they 3x. But, like, he was very aware of his stack size being that deep. And everything was so big, it was hard to call against him. Right. Yeah, I won a huge pot against him, and I effed up on the hand. I misclicked. Um, he raised pre at 153 to 1,050. It's a big raise, and I'm in the big blind with two jacks. Uh, so I just flatted fig- where both, like, I might be at 50K at that point, and he was at, like, 35 or something like that. Um, I flatted. The flop was Jack three two, Decent rainbow, <laughs> which is like an amazing flop. And I check, and he bets twenty two hundred. When he bets twenty two hundred on that flop, I'm like, sure, he's building a pot and he's got a monster. And um, so I'm like, how can I get money in this pot? 
So I raise the 6,500, and he flats. And the turn's a, turn's a six, actually, so like not a complete blank, but based on... I'm pretty sure he's got aces, kings, or queens here. Right. Um, so I'm thinking, like, how much is in the pot? And in retrospect, I should probably bet less here to begin with in my thought process, because if I bet something like 7 or 8K here... He might think that his overpair is good and I still have a jack, and he might shove, like, thinking he's shoving for value. Whereas if I bet, like, 11K, he might think, like, I had to have flopped the set and might find a fold. Right. Um, or, like, he'll just call. Either yeah. way, uh, if I shove river at that point, he'll probably fold anyway because he's a pretty decent player. Yeah. Um, but I was trying to think of how much I could bet to get the stack sizes in, but in retrospect, it was a bad decision. I should just go for value on three streets. Right. Um, but anyway, I was going to bet 11K, and I accidentally grabbed an extra orange chip. So uh, I bet 16K, <laughs> which was more than pot. And I, I, he found a fold, and he told me later that he had aces. Wow. So it was pretty frustrating to do that. I think if I bet 11K, I think he still might call. Yeah. But when I bet over pot, I think there's a big difference between 11K and 16K there. Yeah, definitely. So that was unfortunate. The only good thing about it might have been that it just never looks like you have a set there because it's such a big bet that it looks like you don't want to get called, but obviously he's experienced enough to maybe see through that. Yeah, I don't really know what his thought process was. I think it was just such a big bet that he decided it wasn't worth it if I was bluffing. Right, with one pair. I mean, yeah. It's aces, but it's still just one pair at that point. Yeah, I don't know what his thought process was, but he made a good fold, and I messed up the hand a little bit. Right. And what could you do? Yeah. But then you, I mean, you kind of got a nice stack going, built it up pretty nice. Yeah, I won a big pot off of Alan Cunningham's girlfriend in a spot where I knew that she had aces because she hadn't been three-betting a lot. And Jai Master had raised in early position, and I flatted with two jacks. And she put it in a three-bet in, like, mid-position, which screams, like, kings are aces. Yeah. Um, I forget what blinds were, but she had made it 1,400 with her three-bet, and I think... I was in for 300 or something like that or whatever. So two people flatted behind me, so I flatted with two jacks. And I flopped a jack and just got value on every street. It was, like, very obvious that she was going to pay me off with aces or kings just based on how I was playing at the time and right. whatnot. So I was just able to pot, pot, pot. I didn't, I didn't reel for a real long time. I got there pretty late in the night and... But I, I didn't witness anything too crazy. I mean, a couple of three bets and stuff. But do, did you see a lot of like three, four, and five betting? Like, seems to be the the hot thing to do these days. Or were people pretty much just kind of keeping a small playing pot control? And I did not see a lot of three bets and four bets at my table. Um, the one guy that got moved after Cunningham's girlfriend busted the kid that came with a monster stack. Um, he ended the day with like 130000 The kid from from Montreal. Um, he had a little bit of the three-bet sickness. Yeah. But most people, 
I was the only one to really throw in three bets. Um, and I found that Jordan Young and Chad were so deep that they were flatting my three bets so often. And I didn't really want to play pots with them, and I thought they wouldn't want to play pots with me, but they were so deep that they were. Right. So I just found that I couldn't three bet, and my best defense was just flatting. Yeah. So there really wasn't a lot of three bets. Yeah, I I maybe saw three, maybe four three bets when I was watching, and every one of them got flatted. Like, nobody was playing super aggressive. Like, it just kind of seemed like they were raising with decent hands. They get three bet, they just flat and kind of proceed from there. I honestly don't think any of my raises got three bet the uh-huh. entire day. That's pretty amazing, especially at that table. Yeah, I don't think at all. People just wanted to play flops. I mean, it's hard when you're, you know, 100 to 300 big blinds deep to three bet and get away with it. Um, just because people are going to flat you, so you still have to play the pot. Right. Um, and people's opening ranges were kind of tight because of everyone at the table being good. Yeah. So if someone calls your three bet, it's... It's hard to figure out where you're at. Right. Plus, I guess at that point, you know, early in day one, but even even late in day one, the blinds aren't all that big that you're getting, you're not getting much by three betting light. I mean, people are making it 10, 50 at, at 200, 400. Yeah. So it's not, like you're, it's not like you're adding a bunch to your stack by three betting somebody and just taking down the pot. A lot of times I had my, my mantra for today was don't spew. Yeah. And I was saying it in my head throughout the entire tournament, but there were certain spots where, like, where I had the itch to to three bet or four bet, but I would like look in perspective of what was in the pot, and I'm like, "There's 450 chips in this pot. Why do I even? They're stealing. Who cares?" Right. Yeah, it's like one percent of your stack. Yeah, it's just not worth it. Right. So I just everyone was pretty much playing passively. Yeah. Um, I mean, people were good post-flop. It was, it was tough to find spots. Um, well, I know I saw one of your, well, maybe your first tweet, but one of your tweets today said something about reminding yourself that you can't win the main event on day one, and maybe everybody had that in mind. Yeah, I think so. I was definitely in, every year that I played the main event before this, I either busted day one or had a massive stack. And this year, I told myself I need to be more controlled and, you know, just carry along and pick spots better and, you know, just be cautious a bit. Yeah. Well, uh, so what did you end up uh, ending the day with, chip-wise? I I had gotten up to 55 at one point. My low... At one point, I think I dipped below 20. Um... And there were 35. I had a disastrous last level. I had one hand where I was in seat 10, the 9 seat, but I was all the way tucked in the corner. And uh, it was the first hand back from break, and I like sat down as they were dealing the cards. And I guess as I was looking at my cards, the guy in seat 1 raised under the gun, and I didn't see it. And the button shoved for like 5k at 200 400 so i look down at ace nine in the big blind and figure i'm ahead of his range and i call and i flip my cards over <laughs> and under the gun guy's like whoa 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 and i'm like f, f. 
that sucks. So he three bet me out of the pot. I mean, I knew I was as soon as I did that, I knew I was getting three bet because I had such a marginal hand. Um, he like knew if he put in any type of pressure, I had to fold. Right. So, uh, pretty big mistake. I'm not. I'm mad at myself, but at the same time, like based on where I was sitting, it's like hard to know that he, the guy got raised. There's like a huge dealer in the way. Right. And the guy, like, barely got it over the line, and the dealer didn't bring it forth. So I, like, wanted to make a stink about it, but at the same time, like, I knew I would have got a penalty for exposing my hand. Yeah. And, like, yelling at a dealer for not bringing the card, there's no betting line. So it's like, I can't really complain that he didn't bring the chips forward. Right. So I just, whatever, I lost the 5K right there without yeah. going to showdown. So the guy who... Put in a raise. The, guy, the original sh- raiser did he have a hand? Um, he had a jack, which when he saw my hand, it's pretty, pretty good spot to three bet there. Yeah. Um, the other guy at ace ten, I would have lost a hand, but everyone's like, uh, you know, would have happened the same way either way. And I'm like, no, because I would have folded. Um, right. So it didn't play the same way. Not that it matters a lot, but do you, do you know how the hand would have proceeded if the original raiser just called? Since you had exposed your hand, is your hand dead? Uh, no, my hand's not dead, but I get a penalty. Yeah. One orbit, which would have been nice at that table. I would have taken the... Yeah, exactly. The table was tough. Yeah, I mean, I, remember, I, I walked around the Amazon room a little bit uh, while you were playing, and I didn't see any other tables that looked nearly as tough. I mean, I don't know as many like online guys and stuff as you do, but I know enough. You know, I know a lot of faces to where I would recognize a bunch of people, and there were... Like, I mean, you didn't have anybody probably over 35 at your table? Yeah. There was one guy. There were two people, but they had both. Three people, but they had all busted. They had already busted. And it, they were replaced by good players. I yeah. mean, not that they were awful, but the guys that replaced them. And the table got progressively harder as the day went on. Right. But when I walked through my section of the Amazon, I mean, I recognized one person at a table... Maybe, like, a buddy here and there. Like, I saw Tristan Wade, and then I saw Tyson Duke, and there were a couple guys, and but everyone was at my table. Yeah. I mean, Jai Master bus, and it's replaced by Golfa. It's like, come on. Right. This is supposed to be the softest tournament of the year. Yeah, that's brutal. But I just told myself I needed to get to the day, too, because there's no way the table draw could be as bad. Yeah, I can't imagine. And yeah. if it is, you run really bad at table draws. But you have been running bad this summer at table draws, so maybe, maybe yeah, it will be bad. The, the last 10K I played was all huge names as well. It's just every tournament I've played, table draw does matter. Yeah, I I mean, I think especially in, in this tournament where you're playing so deep. and I mean, the last thing you want is to get, sit down with a bunch of people who just have like really good post-flop game when they're 300 big blinds deep. Yeah, it was... So I'm hoping... When I play again, I don't play again until Tuesday. I have a better draw, and I can take advantage of my... I'm happy with 35K. We come back and blends are 25... I mean... Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people would go, oh, they start with 30, and he only ended the day with 35. But in reality, you're 70 big blinds deep coming back, so... Yeah, I'm really happy. Um, I mean, getting up to 55K, and then dropping to 35K, losing 20K in a level... Sucks, but I have three days to get over it. Right. 
four days to get over it or whatever it is. Yeah. But I have a while, so I'm, I'll be fine. That's definitely one good thing about playing an earlier day, an earlier starting day, is that you do get some time to sort of recuperate. Yeah, and then if you bust on an earlier starting day, you get to leave the World Series before <laughs> exactly before it even gets going. Yeah. So, well, cool. Um, appreciate you taking some time. I know it's been a long day, and you're probably ready for sleep. Yeah, I'm sleep. I'm jet lagged. Yeah, oh, and you didn't get a lot of sleep last night either. So no, my flight for that was supposed to be a five hour flight it was like a nine and a half hour flight. <laughs> so brutal. We just sat on the runway for hours upon hours. The stewardess was screaming at us to turn off our cell phones. I'm like, we're not moving. <laughs> I'm not turning off my cell phone. I'm bored. I'm surprised they didn't have their cell phones on. I know. That's what I would have done. But so cool. Yeah, appreciate the recap, and uh, we'll obviously make sure and check in with you again after day two. Um, Charlie and Cougars, I believe, are both playing Day 1D, which will be on Sunday. So we'll make sure and uh, get with those guys after their Day 1s, recap their action. Uh, it's a Venetian 1K for me tomorrow, so I'll hopefully have some kind of story to tell. Good hopefully luck. not busting in the first hour. And uh, yeah, lo- lots more updates to come from the WSOP main event. So thanks for listening, and we will catch you all next time on the... TPE Live Podcast. See ya.